Hey guys, you may be seated tonight. Welcome. What a wonderful time of worship and just in the presence of God. I don't know about you, there is a peacefulness about this night. Sometimes we look toward these events, we call them encounters and various things. And I, I like Paul, Paul showed up at my church uh, Friday night for our, you have to forgive me, I'm on night five out of the last seven on encounters. So I'm uh, uh, a little, I'm not sure where I'm at, but I know what I'm doing. I, I, we're, we're good with that. In fact, my wife said I'm encountered out. She's at home tonight. So she sends you greetings. But Paul showed up with a shirt that said, hope over hype. Is that right? Hope over hype. The church needs hope over hype. We don't need nice catchphrases and little t-shirt slogans. We need Jesus. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the depth of the well of the, of the life that God has for us in a day like none other, to really be what he's called us to be, to shine out like light in a very dark sky. And I know you wouldn't be here tonight if you're not looking forward to God doing something fresh in your spirit. So here's what I want you to do, because last time I was here, I probably preached too long because a freight train interrupted us, and uh, we stood for about 10 minutes until it finally got out of here, so I'm going to get to preaching and uh, hopefully beat the train tonight. But no, it is always our joy to be back with you. So turn in your Bibles to John's Gospel. John is where we're going to spend our time tonight. We're going to be in John, and then we're going to wrap up in Ephesians chapter 5. But John chapter 4 is uh, where we're going to draw our text, and I'm going to get you there in just a moment. Let me just say this about your pastor and his wife. They are. I, we, as a church, turned 14 years old this past Sunday. And... We have never experienced what we experienced Friday night in the ministry of Paul and Wendy Jenkins, a move of the Holy Spirit like we'd never had before in our history. It continued on Saturday night. It moved to Sunday night. I can't wait till the next time we get to gather because I'm just believing God is doing a new thing. But it comes out of a man and a woman whose hearts have been humbled and broken before our God and recognize we're not it. We don't have a lot to bring, but God brings him through us, and we're grateful for that. And Paul and Wendy have been friends at Denise and I for these many years, and uh, Paul, thank you. I just have one request. I've done it every year. I, I just realize you're never going to change it, uh, and that is I, I always follow Terry Fur, and it's not fair. It's just not fair. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's like the mystical her and God text you know, it's, I don't know what to do about that, but uh, I know the word last night was rich for you guys, and uh, tonight already we've heard some messages through the work of the Holy Spirit, and there's such an alignment with them. I, I, I was counting a while ago, I'm like, I'm bringing the fifth message tonight, the fifth, but yet there's an alignment that God has in every one of those for us. So open your hearts, and I'm just going to ask God to do something wonderful in this encounter. Now... Encounter is something that's very interesting in the sense of what it even means. We think of encounter as something that we build up to or we look forward to or we orchestrate or we, we kind of put it on our calendar, but really an encounter is something unexpected. It's something that suddenly happens. You encounter someone or something, it's, it's fresh, it's new, it's, it's exciting because you haven't been there before. At Hope, we start our journey with an encounter. We, we believe that our goal for anybody we get to meet in North Charlotte or around this region is they will encounter our God. It'll be sudden. It'll be unexpected because God is not what people think he is. He's not some holy grandpa in heaven handing out Tootsie Rolls to his kids. He's not a God in heaven that is to be used for our use. No, he is a God in heaven who sent his son so we could have a relationship with him. And we can walk in a love relationship where he says, I've got you. I just want you to know me. And so we pray for that encounter, and we know that out of that encounter, it leads to the second thing, and that is freedom. How many need freedom in an area of your life tonight? You need freedom from something that's holding you back. You need freedom from a bondage. I believe God has freedom for us, but it comes through that encounter. Because when we find the freedom, that's when we get into the good stuff. That's when we all of a sudden discover who God made us to be. And we find who God makes us to be, guess what? We can make a difference in this world. We can make a difference with our time on earth. So tonight, I want to bring something to us that's unexpected. And I'm going to start by this way. I'm going to talk about a camel. Yeah, what does a camel have to do with Mark by fire? I don't know, but we'll make it work. Have you ever run out of gas? 
anybody. Are there people here that will push it to the limits just to see how close you can get to E before you actually run out? Some of you are looking at your spouses right now like, "Uh uh-huh. Do you know that feeling when there's nothing left in the tank, right? We see camels are amazing animals. I was reading a book the other day that just I, I bought because I think it's the, the title gripped my heart because I think it's what we've all discovered that God has in us and we just need to rediscover it. It's a book called Resilience by, by John Bon Etheridge. And he, he, he wrote in there about a camel. And I was intrigued because I grew up the son of a veterinarian, so animals are kind of my thing. And we've owned a lot of animals in our lives, a lot of exotics in our lives, but we've never owned a camel. Anyone ever owned a camel in here? Didn't think so. Camels are amazing creatures. Now, I, I never owned one. I've not really hung out with one, but I've, I've watched enough movies and seen enough National Geographic to know that they are amazing beasts. And they, they, are, they are the freight liners of the desert. Let's just put it that way. They, they get stuff from here to there in a way nothing else can. And yet they have this remarkable thing about them that makes them both loved and hated by those who serve with them. You see, in fact, they have this Achilles heel that you may not be aware of. You see, camels have the ability to walk for days. No need of nourishment, no need of water. They can just go and go and go where their masters can't go, unlike any other animal. I mean, horses, mules, they'll let you know when they're tired, right? They'll just kind of stop and like, no, unless you feed me, I'm not going any further. But camels will just go and go and go until, and this is their Achilles heel, without warning, unexpectedly, they'll drop to their knees and just fall over and die. And wherever they are, that's where the master's stranded. And the reason I want to talk about camels tonight is humans are much more like camels than we want to admit, especially in our culture. We're told to grit it out. We're told to just keep going. We're told to just dig deep. And you know what we've done over the last three years? We have dug deep and dug deep and dug deep until you know what we've done? We've eaten the reserves of our spirit And without being refilled and refilled and refilled by the Holy Spirit, I am seeing people dropping to their knees and dying all over the place. Somebody's got to shout it out and say it's got to stop. And we've got to come to the place where we recognize that we need all God has all the time, always, in every way. Because there's no honor to gritting it out until you drop. In fact, the Word of God tells us that God has some better plan for us than that. The Word of God says that we, we have something much better than that because, you know, though we may not die spiritually, our souls can get to a place where we just go and we go and we go until finally our soul says, I'm done. I'm out. No more. And we see people again and again dropping out, dropping out of relationships, dropping out of service, dropping out of ministries, dropping out of life. And I'm here to tell you the Bible talks about a day where the church is going to see a great falling away. And I don't know whether we're in that or not, but the evidence is clear. We have seen a lot of folks pushed to the very point where they recognize they have nothing left. But God's plan is not that. God's plan is to fill us to overflowing, to keep the the waters of our life drawing from the deep wells of who he is and what he is to us. You see, the truth of the matter is our souls don't adapt well to what we've been through the last two to three years. We don't adapt well to isolation and trauma and disappointment. There's a point where unless we're leaning into the heart of God and and drawing deep from his well, we are just not enough. But our God has a promise for us. It's the same promise he made when Jesus stood at the end of the feast in John 7, 38. And he said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And we know that he was speaking of the Holy Spirit. He was speaking of the Holy Spirit who the word said at that moment had not yet come because Jesus had not been glorified. But aren't you glad we live on this side of the cross, amen? We live on this side of the cross. And all that is available through the Holy Spirit is available to us now. Church, listen, we live in a world that is dying. We live in a world that is dying of thirst. We live in a church world that is dying of thirst for the things of God. What we found over the last three years, Paul, I'm going to just call it out. The church got exposed. We were a fraud. Oh, we had religion. We looked good. We had the smoke, the mirrors, the lights, and everything else. But you know what the church in America found out? It was a fraud. Because somewhere they forgot they needed to draw on Jesus and not their own talent. 
To draw on Jesus and not their own giftedness. To draw on Jesus and not their own abilities and their grit and the ability to look better, feel better than anybody else. You see, the world now is thirsting. They just don't know what to thirst for because they haven't seen a clear picture of what the church really ought to be. But I'm telling you, God is bringing it back. Can someone say praise God? God is bringing it back. You know, the world is thirsty. And, and what they would say is they're thirsting for life. Here's what I hear all the time from people. When's it going to be good again? When's it going to be good again? Oh, for every time I've heard someone say, will it just get back to normal? If I had a nickel for that, I'd paid off my building by now. But can I tell you, the thought of it getting back to normal is delusional, and it doesn't take us to where God wants us to go. Because my God's not normal. My God's not normal. He doesn't do things the way we think he ought to. He doesn't do everything we want him to do. He does what he does because he's sovereign, and he is still calling men and women to himself and saying, I have something for you the world cannot provide, but yet the world keeps thirsting and thirsting for experience that is outside of God. You see, I love the theme Pastor Paul chose for this encounter. When he gave it to me, I was like, yeah, but God's already given me this message. I'm going to make it work because we are marked by fire. I'm going to talk about living water. You know why? Because the interesting thing we find in Scripture is this. If you're really going to be on fire for Jesus Christ, you've got to have a flow of living water in you that never runs dry because your gifts won't get you there. Your zeal won't get you there. Your passion won't get you there. Let's be honest. You all have known somebody. I've known many that we would look at and say, oh, they're on fire. They're on fire for the Lord, only to find them later sitting in a corner burned out. Over the years, I've sat with many. I say, what happened? Sat with a young church planter the other day. Every credential he needed, every gift he needed, everything he, he, he should be on the cover of church planting. And yet he's coming out of a four-year period of brokenness because nothing worked. He was on fire, but he had no living water. He was on fire in his own gifts, his own calling, his own passion, but he had no power. He had no, he no, had no sustaining work of the Holy Spirit working in him, and it fell on his face. It destroyed his life. He's no longer married, no longer in ministry, and he's sitting wondering what happened. Because we need living water. And only to have living water makes us full of that fire that's going to change the world. You see, we come to this place where the Lord is calling us to, to call out to him for the flow of life into us. But yet many have been drinking more of the water of the world that has left them dry. And we become like what Jeremiah said about the children of Israel in many ways. In Jeremiah 2.13, he said, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that hold no water. Oh, this world promises a lot, doesn't it? Oh, it has everything that will satisfy your thirst, but yet it won't. Coming out of this pandemic era, people are trying to gain life again. They're trying to find their way back into life. Well, if, it's, if it's just the right vacation, that'll do it. How many know sometimes you need a vacation from vacation, right? You know, if I can just find another church, that'll do it. Can I tell you, you bring your own self back to that church just as you were in the last church. Oh, if it's just a new marriage, if I can just find a new me. And, and we see all these efforts going into trying to somehow get back life. But the reality is unless we're drinking from the right well, we're never going to find life that satisfies and life that makes a difference. So how do we know? when our reserves are running low. Don't you wish you had like a, in a car, like a full or empty gauge? That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Like, oh, I'm getting low. I, be, I, better, I better get back into the living water, right? But yet God doesn't design us that way. But I want to show you in Scripture tonight, there's a lot of things that we do recognize that make us understand that we need to press in and we need to go to the well that brings life. We need to press in and go to the well that brings real life. It's interesting to me that in this last six, seven months, water has been in the news a lot. In fact, if you watch the world news at all, there are places in our world right now that are saying enough. We have enough water. Pakistan, other places have been flooded. Lives have been lost. And yet in many other places, we're experiencing droughts like we've never seen. So much so that they're calling them that it's things that haven't been seen in thousands of years, much less hundreds. And what's interesting about the drought is I've been fascinated with, with what they're discovering in the dry places. 
when you have time, not while I'm speaking, Google things that have been uncovered through drought. Because in places around the world, they've been making discoveries that are just mind-blowing. In one river in Germany, I mean in Italy, they discovered an entire ship sitting at the bottom of this river from World War II they never knew was there. But the drought exposed. It's been sitting on the bottom the whole time. There was another place they discovered a Roman bridge that dates back literally to the times before Christ. And yet it's been sitting underwater all these years, never revealed until drought emptied the river and they could see it. In our own country, a little too close to Las Vegas, out in Lake Mead, they've been finding bodies and barrels, somebody. You wonder what happened to Freddie. Yeah, he's been out there a long time. And, and drought is exposed in this. You know what drought does? It exposes hidden things. And whenever we find ourselves in a spiritual drought, what does it do? It exposes hidden things, uncovered things, things that we have not given to God, things that we have not allowed God to redeem, things that now are exposed that God wants to deal with. I call them unconverted places. And ultimately, it's the unconverted places that drain our reserves and take the legs out from us when we don't expect it at all. We may not lay down like a camel and die, but our lack of reserve shows up in other ways. Oh, we've had our anger covered. We're, we're good at that. It just simmers underneath the surface. We come to church with raised hands and Jesus t-shirts, but yet inside we know it doesn't take much. And when our reserves are low, anger all of a sudden turns into something that is worse. and It can turn into rage at a drop of a hat. Just a few days back in the town of Concord where I live, a man was murdered in the Walmart parking lot over a parking spot, somebody. Anger to rage. We see it in the areas of anxiety, and I, all God's children have anxiety. We just say we don't, but we, these low-level anxiety that we need to pray about can turn into fear, which directs our lives into isolation and ultimately into loneliness, and the enemy gets us right where he wants us because we're never meant to be alone. Things that are hidden, exposed. Disappointments. Who hasn't had disappointments? We've all got disappointments. We could circle up tonight and have a pity party if we wanted to over our disappointments. And Satan would bring the balloons and the cake right there to us because he likes that. But when our reserves are low, disappointments that normally don't rock us back now turn into something that takes us down. They find their form in disillusionment, and disillusionment makes us extremely vulnerable to the enemy's deceit. I'm disappointed in God, Pastor Paul. I, I hear too much of that. Why are you disappointed in God? Have you fully engaged and submitted your life to him? Have you seen that he is from the beginning to the end and he's just not done yet, somebody? The chapter you're in right now is just one chapter. But as my good friend always reminded me, the book's not finished yet on my life and God is still working, amen? So again, we've got to look at these places and say there's symptoms and there's signs that our, 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 our reserves are low. Apathy. Apathy. Apathy turns to detachment. And ultimately, it turns to abandonment. That's what we're seeing. They call it the great resignation. They say the great walkout or whatever. There's so many terms for it right now. But we just can't explain. People are just quitting life. I don't know what they're going to do, but they're just quitting life. They're just walking away. Why? Because their reserves are so low, and they've been drinking from the wells of the world so long, thinking it would satisfy, that now they've just checked out. And as a pastor, I'm telling you, it's not just outside of the church. It's in the church because we've stopped coming to that place of saying, God, I'm thirsty, fill me up, Lord. God, I'm thirsty, fill me up, Lord. You see, for life to be good again, it's not found in a vacation, it's not found in a job, it's not found in a new spouse. It's found only where Jesus claimed it to be, and that is from him, the well that never runs dry. So what do we do with that? How do we, how do we engage that? We engage it through a story in John chapter 4 of a woman that was just looking for life to be good again. Oh, I would change that to say she was just looking for life to be good once. She's famous. In fact, she's one of those famous women that we would ever know a thousand years from now. Can I tell you, no one's going to tell your story or mine. But if Jesus tarries his return, somebody's going to open the book to John 4.18, and this woman's going to be talked about because her story is amazing and tragic at the same time. Pick it up in chapter 6. I mean, verse 6 of John chapter 4. In John 4, verse 6, we're going to read down through verse 15. It says, Jacob's well was there. He's speaking of a place that Jesus was traveling through Samaria. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. And it was about the sixth hour. In other words, it was about noon. It was the heat of the day. 
And a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. That's Bible talk for basically Jews hated Samaritans, Samaritans hated Jews. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift, <laughs> if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he'd have given you living water. And the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? And he gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Did you see what Jesus said? He said, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Anything that we try to draw life from outside of Christ only makes us thirsty again. Anything that we try to form life out of outside of our God and the work of His Spirit in us actually makes us more thirsty than we were to begin with. But yet He promises living water that will continually quench our thirst and build us up so that we can keep going, keep loving, keep growing, keep ministering, and not have all the dropouts because now we're going to learn to depend on him and not ourselves. So what is this living water, and what, is this, what does it do for us? How do we find ourselves completely full of uh, the things that we are thirsting for? The first thing we have to recognize and see in the story is this. The living water that God has promised us through his son Jesus, the work of the Holy Spirit, is an absolute gift that is available to everyone. Can you agree with that tonight? It's an absolute gift that's available to everyone. Now think about it. Here's a Samaritan woman. She's like, why are you a Jew talking to me? I mean, she saw the irony of this. Like, this should not be happening right now, not let alone the fact that you're a man and I'm a woman, but you're talking to me. What is up with that? Even the disciples came back later and like, why were you talking to her? They were so amazed at what Jesus was doing. But can I tell you what Jesus does? And he's still doing it today. He deliberately reaches across every barrier we try to put up between him and somebody that needs him. He comes across social barriers, says, get out of my way. There's a soul that needs saved. We look at people and say, oh, they're the enemy, or they're, they're too far gone, or they believe different than we do, or they're, they're this or that. And he says, what are you talking about? They are my son or daughter. They're lost, and I came to seek and save that which is lost. Get out of my way. He broke through every moral barrier so often we we're like oh we can't go there we we can't talk to them do you know what they do i think the word of god said something like this as we used to be they are now and yet once we get saved we forget as we used to be and now we're afraid to touch the very ones that were just like us and yet he came to bring them to a knowledge i don't have trains but i got sirens i bring it when i come i'm telling you it's anointing. I know. I'm going to write a book about that, the train anointing. He even broke through religious barriers. Come on, somebody. We don't need religion. We need Jesus. Religion wants to use God. He just wants relationship. He broke through all the barriers. Why? Because this life that was coming to quench her thirst had a deeper thirst that Jesus knew of, and he was going to bring something to her life that she could not obtain anywhere else. He, she was a Samaritan. She was an outcast. She was not only had gone through five marriages, she's now living with a man. Jesus knew all this, and here she comes to the well alone at noon. Now, why would she do that? Everyone knew in that culture women would go to gather to the well because the well was a dangerous place. That's where the shepherds gathered. You didn't trust shepherds? That's why it's so amazing the angels appeared to the shepherds when Jesus was born because shepherds couldn't even testify at a trial back then. They were that looked down on. But now we have the chief shepherd that says, I'm the good shepherd that came to go after the, the lost and bring the one in while I care for the 99. She was there because she was ashamed. She was there because she was an outcast. 
She was alone because no other woman would go with her to the well. She went at the hottest time of the day. Why? Because her sins and her choices and her life had brought her a place of complete isolation. Honestly, she just wanted to survive. Jesus intentionally went out of his way. Oh, he didn't just have a happenstance. He didn't just sit by that well that day as if there's nothing else going on. He sat there in that place that day. Why? Because he had a gift we call grace that was available to a lady who had tried everything the world had to offer and come up empty. And now she just wants to survive and says, I've got better than survival. I've got eternal life to offer you right now. You see, the grace of God is always a surprise. Because in last time I checked, you didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. None of us deserve the grace of our God. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies, Christ died for us. He formed us in our mother's womb. He called us his own before we could do anything for him. Our relationship is not based on what we do for him. We can do nothing for him. Apart from him, I can do nothing. But yet he loves us, and he gives us that grace again and again. Why? Because he loves us and wants us to experience his life. You see, the woman that was there, she wasn't looking for salvation. It'd be like somebody wandering up on this meeting tonight, and they're just like, I'm lonely. There's a bunch of people. I'm just going to sit there and uh, see what happens. You know, guess what? Suddenly, unexpectedly, God can speak to your life. Suddenly, unexpectedly, God can awaken your life. And suddenly, unexpectedly, he can give you a gift that will change your life forever, whether you were looking for him or not. She wasn't looking for a Savior. She just wanted to get through one more day. But she met Christ, and everything changed. Here's what grace means. Grace means that anyone, anywhere, in any circumstance can have an encounter with a Savior. For the living water we seek is an absolute gift from our God. So that's the first thing we have to see about this living water that we all need. Here's the second thing I want you to see out of this story, and that is the living water that God has promised us through His Son, Jesus, the work of the Holy Spirit, is that the living water is our ultimate satisfaction. He is our ultimate satisfaction. Here Jesus is not talking about forgiveness of sins. What he was telling her is where to find real life, where to find a, that which quenches a thirst that nothing else can quench. I don't think really we know what it is to, to face really that dying of thirst. We live in a day where water is everywhere. We can buy it in bottles. We package it. We go, it's, it's there. We don't think about it. But how many know without water our bodies can't survive? You know, we can go without food for 40 days. I don't know if anyone's done that. Jesus did that. If anyone's fasted, you know that it doesn't take long before your caffeine habit, your chocolate habit, and your other habits are kicking in and they're screaming loudly. Right? But you know you can't do without water for more than three days. 76, up to 76% of your body is made up of water. You have to have it. Without it, we don't survive. Without it, we don't do well. It affects every system in our being. In the same way, without the spiritual water from heaven in our lives, we don't do well. We don't survive. We just get by. But God has more for us than just getting by. And what he was saying to this woman is, I've got something that your soul needs more than your physical body needs water. And if you go to any other source, you're going to thirst again. In fact, your thirst will grow worse. What he was saying, and I believe this is for us, he's saying if you dip the bucket of your life into any other source this world has to somehow gain that which you are seeking, that, that quenching of the spiritual thirst, he said not only is it going to lead to death, it's going to lead to death quickly because it's found outside of God. You see, church, we go after so many things thinking they're going to fill us up. We find causes. We get into, we love causes. If there's just a good cause, we'll pour our life into that cause to show that we're good people. But can I tell you, a cause doesn't give us the living water. It gives us some thrills. It gives us that we make a difference. It's a good thing. But we need more than a cause. We need a relationship with our Savior. If we pour ourselves into any other relationship out of Him, if we pour ourselves into any other source of hope or rest or beauty, seeking to quench the thirst for real life other than in God, then we're going to die of thirst faster. Instead of finding the real life he has for us. You see, human beings, it's just true. Without Jesus, outside of Jesus, we've got to go out of ourselves to find life. Without Jesus, we've got to go out of ourselves into the world, into the culture to quench the inner thirst for life that's put there by our God. 
we got to go and seek it somewhere. we got to go and find it somewhere. And, and it kind of looks like this. We were created with purpose, weren't we? It's deep in our DNA. Our Father put it in us. We are here for more than just to take up space and suck oxygen. We're, we're here for a purpose. But what happens is this. We get into this life, we feel the pressures of life, and we start seeking that purpose anywhere we can find it. And sometimes it's in good things. Oh, my purpose is my family. That's a good thing, but it's not satisfying fully. Oh, my purpose is my job. That's not a bad thing, but again, it's not satisfying fully. My purpose is a political cause. I can get behind them or that or those, and yet it's not fulfilling. You see, if you have to go outside of God, then what happens is this. When those things fall apart, and they will, you're still thirsty. You're still dying. You still don't have the source of life. Here's another example. We thirst for beauty. We thirst for, everybody here tonight wants to be loved, don't you? Everybody. Y'all are like, no. Yeah, you do. Everybody wants to be loved. We have it deep in us. From the moment we're born on this earth, we want to be loved. We want to be held. We want to be close. But even if we find a great person that loves us, that person is not perfect, and unfortunately they are mortal as well as sinful. And if we're going to them as the source of all we need on this life, we're going to come up empty and come up dry. Because again, they can't replace what God alone can provide. So what Jesus was saying is this. He was saying, I can give you a purpose. I can give you a love. I can give you a peace, a hope, and a beauty that permanently will well up within you, but it only comes from drinking of the well I provide. It comes from allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. And the well that God brings up in us, that spring of living water, can I tell you, it, it cannot be clogged. It cannot be covered up. It cannot be pushed aside. It's only there because he provides it. You know what, if you've ever gone and found a spring somewhere, little kids will chunk rocks in it, you know, like we're going to cover that up. You know what that water does? It just finds another place to bubble up. And that's what God does. He never runs dry. He never gets clogged up with the things of life. And he offers that to all who put their hope in him. You see, in him we can find a spiritual love, a true acceptance. We can find peace and hope and beauty that no matter what happens, listen somebody, no matter what happens, no matter what traumas you face, his joy, his life will bubble up from within you. Not only sustaining you to get through, but it will actually overflow out of you until it's bringing life to others. That's the life of a believer. It doesn't matter what we're walking in. Oh, we've, we've used these last three years for excuses for everything. But the reality is this. If we were full going in, if we were full to overflowing, then everywhere we would go during those times of trauma and disappointment in life, we would, bring, we, would bring, we would be bringing life wherever we go. You see, that's the living water. It's the overflow. It's that what changes the atmosphere. It's that, what's, it's that which affects the office or the school or the house we live in. And no matter how much junk people try to pile around us, no matter how many things they try to throw into it, we are still living in that refreshing moment and bringing refreshing wherever we go. So this living water is a gift. It's the ultimate satisfaction. But the third thing, and this is the most critical, and this is where we got to dive deep to get it into us tonight, and that is this. It must be both received and sustained. You see, Jesus draws this woman from complete spiritual indifference into an encounter leading to salvation. How do we know we're saved? She's saved. Read the rest of the story. She ends up going and telling the whole village what this guy did. I mean, she, her life has changed forevermore because she finally came to understand who it was she was talking to. But in John 14, 4, verse 15 through 17, it says this, The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here and draw water. What she was asking him is, Can you, can you provide me indoor plumbing? I'm tired of coming out here. That's what she's asking. But this is what he said to her. Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him and said, I have no husband. Now, a lot of people take this scripture and say, oh, this is where it gets fun. Because Jesus is zeroing in on the sin. 
man, he's ready to bring the hammer. You know, that's, that, that, that's what's going to take place. But can I tell you, what he was doing was he wasn't coming to, to talk about her sin. Oh, he was convicting her, but how many know he was not condemning her? Jesus came in this world not to condemn the world, but through him the world would be saved. And he was coming to bring her into a realization of what was happening in her life. Follow the conversation. What she's saying is this. She was so good at changing the subject whenever he was pushing in. But what she was saying to him was this. I'm not spiritually thirsty. I just want water. Can you provide water for me? I'm tired of coming out here. I'm tired of being alone. I'm not interested. And Jesus says, oh, yeah, go get your husband. And she looks at him and says, I have no husband. And he says, you're right. Men have been running and running your life for your entire life. And you have gone to them again and again and again believing they're going to be the ultimate fulfillment of your life, only to come up empty every time, and yet now you're foolish enough to try it one more time, but yet they can't do it. He wanted her to see that she was really thirsting for God. The thing she was looking for was acceptance, for significance, for purpose, for belonging, for love, but she was drinking at the well of male relationship and approval and sex, and she was coming up empty. The world always leaves us empty. The world's ways always leave us empty. Look, we're all drinking from some fountain, every one of us. Sometimes we just don't want to identify it. Sometimes we just don't want to look at it and say that's what it is. We're all drinking from somewhere deep for what we hope will not only fulfill us, but keep our reserves full to handle what may come our way. Oh, we, we can label the wells. Some are wells of career. Some are wells of appearance. Some are wells of acceptance by friends or, or making a difference. Some are wells of wealth or status or control in our lives. I'm trying not to laugh, Paul. I really am. It's okay. I love it. It's a gift. Come on, somebody. I think God's like, are you getting there's an emergency going on around here, people? We need Jesus. Come on. We need Jesus. I'm after, no, that's okay. Don't go there. But what we, what we do is this. We would never call those things idols, but they are. We would never call them idols, but we are. I, I, I believe this. I believe that most in the church, they are no difference in the world. You say, what do you really need right now? They would like to say, well, I know the answer is Jesus, but what I really want is life to be good again. And I'll drink from whatever well promises that. And yet only to find themselves dropping to their knees and falling over, dying. You see, Jesus led her to the place where her heart was open. He led her a place where she was saved. And, and we, we see that in her life because she came to understand he was the Messiah. Verse 25 through 26, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When he comes, he'll tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And that encounter brought her out of something into a new relationship that changed her life. How many know when we are saved, the Bible makes these incredible promises that in that moment we are transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. In that moment, we are brought from death to life. The word speaks to us. It says the old is gone, even the new has come. But I recognize about our salvation, and I really believe this is one of the reasons why Christians sometimes run out of the water to sustain their lives, is this. We see salvation as an event, and we forget it's also a process. We see salvation as, well, I was saved back in 1946. Yeah, I hadn't loved anybody since or cared, but I was saved. And I'm going to heaven, praise God. I did a funeral one time, and I know I shouldn't talk about funerals this way, but I did a lot of funerals in one church I was at because it was an old church. But you got to find humor at some place. The guy is underneath his girlfriend's car while his wife is out of town, and the car falls on him, and he dies. And I'm asked to do his funeral. And at the last minute, this old pastor from the church he grew up with, which I won't name the denomination or association, comes along and we're in the place. And he says, you know, I've got to give the final word here. I'm like, okay, give the final word. And he stands up and goes, oh, Bubba. I'm just calling Bubba. Bubba. Bubba's dancing with Jesus in heaven right now. Because I, I baptized that boy when he was eight years old. And I, know, I tell you now, he's in heaven. I got back in the hearse. Not the hearse, the car they put the pastors in. 
I'm all about 30 years old, you know, young preacher. And I'm like, are you stinking kidding me? Really? He goes, son, you're just too young to understand. I said, sir, I understand the Bible. You're making false promises to people that are going to lead them to the wrong eternity and not the right eternity. It, it makes no sense. We, we minimize it. We, we step back to that and we, we forget that salvation is not just being baptized. It's not just shaking a preacher's hand. It's not just saying a prayer. Salvation is a surrender of our lives to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Too many people want a Savior. They don't want a king. But I want to tell you something. You don't find life until he's your king. You can find forgiveness, but you don't find life until he's your king. Because you know what the king does? He makes sure you know where the well is. He makes sure the water is always flowing, and he takes you there to drink because he cares for you because you've submitted your life to him. Salvation is an event, but it's also a process. In the moment of her faith, I believe she was saved, and I believe according to the word of God, all of heaven broke out in a celebration over this lady, just as he did over our lives when we were saved. You see, heaven doesn't wait till you know, God's not up there like, well, when we hit a million, we'll celebrate. No, he said, that one was lost, and they've come home, hit it, angels. And I mean, the confetti cannons go off, and I mean, they're just throwing the party. Why? Because one that was lost is now saved, because that's what he came to do. And we are saved in that moment. Our lives are transformed. But I tell you, something else happens in that moment. Not only are we instantaneously changed, but now we go into a process where we become thoroughly changed. Because salvation is only this. It's not only a event. It's also a recreation of our fallen humanity. It is a restoration of our life through a union with Christ, and that happens over time. It happens over time as we learn to put our trust in him. Oh, in, in that season of time, life can be a little bit crazy because, honestly, in that time, parts of us seem well inhabited by God, but the rest of us seems to be practically pagan at times. If you don't believe that, just get cut off on traffic on 85 some morning and see how you react. Oh, we can be worshiping on Sunday. We can be face down, full of tears, snot everywhere. And yet the next day, we, we go off and we do things we're like, where'd that come from? Even the Apostle Paul in, in, in Romans 7 said, there's things I do I don't understand why I do. Things I want to do I don't want to do. He just went through this whole litany of just this agony. But he says, but... And the butt pointed to the understanding that there is a God that loved him, a Savior, a Dive, and a Holy Spirit that indwelled him that causes him to triumph, church. That's why David the king prayed in, in Psalm 86, 11, give me an undivided heart, God. Because even though we are saved and it doesn't diminish our salvation, we're still in process. And part of learning to be free and learning to walk in the fullness of God is recognizing part of that process is God revealing your unconverted parts. And God revealing your hidden parts. And God revealing things that you thought you had covered up. But when he does it, he does it not to shame us. He does it to bring us to that place where now we can give them to him. And when we give them to him, now we walk in this place of wholeness. We walk in this place of belief that allows us to see what God is doing in us and through us. And now that relationship grows because he's bringing wholeness into our lives. We have a choice. We have to make a choice every day. Someone was talking about choices earlier. I, I wrote it this way in my, in my notes, and forgive me for just being blunt, but we have a choice. We can either self-medicate to fill our thirst, or we can dive deep into the source of living water, the Holy Spirit, on a day-by-day, moment-by-moment basis. It's a choice. We can be saved and dry, or we can be saved and be on fire. But the choice goes like this. I have a thirst that's going to well up. I have times where I depend on my own self more than God. I have times when I, I go to wells that were not provided by him. I have times where I don't understand it, but I am causing myself to lose reserve. And I, and I just keep thinking, if I just keep doing good things, if I just keep pushing through, if I just keep loving people, if I just keep praying, I'll get there somehow. And God is standing back saying, come unto me, all that are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. We're like, no, 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 God, I've got it. 
I'm somebody. I can grit it out. I can show them how it's done. I'm going to read more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to get up at 5 in the morning. I'm going to go to every church service. I'm even going to drive to every, I'm going to listen to every podcast there is, God. And God says, that's great. But until you learn to feed off of what I give you, what I bring in you in your innermost being, as long, as long as you stay away from allowing the Holy Spirit to guide and drive your life, as long as you stay in control, you're always going to be thirsty. Here's a passage of Scripture I want to close with tonight. Our musicians can kind of find their way up. It's found in Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul has been talking to the church at Ephesus about the darkness of the times. You know, you, we read the Bible and sometimes we think our times are unique. No, we're just getting closer to Jesus coming back. They were dark then too. But he said this in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15, and it really brings this home of what it means to walk full. He says, look carefully then, verse 15, how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Man, there's such wisdom in this passage. And I'm going to wrap it up quickly in this way. If we're going to live full, if we're going to live to overflowing, if we're going to live to that place where the fire is going to keep burning bright because the fuel's coming in, can I tell you, we've got to learn to understand and apply what this word says. He says, look carefully how you walk, not as wise but unwise, making the best use of your time. Don't be foolish but understand what the Lord's, what the will of the Lord is. Here's the simple beginning of this. If you want to start going and filling up on the living water of God and just refreshing yourself and overflowing, you start with this. When it comes to the word of God and the will of a God, obey the big print in the Bible. Obey the obvious. Sometimes we think that walking in the spirit is this mystical journey. We're going to find this obscure truth somewhere that's just going to make life make sense. When Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments, it's pretty simple. But I know there's got to be this one thing that God really wants me to get. He starts with, how about love your neighbor as yourself? How about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? You see, if we're going to walk in this fullness, it's got to begin with a, with a stance of obedience. That means those other wells are off limits. It means those other ways are not going to help us. In fact, there's a reason God calls us out to be separate. Because in our separation from relying on the things of the world, we find the living water that really does give us life and offers life to others. So he starts there and he says, look, you've got to follow the big prints. He goes on, and we're going to skip the next one because that's where we're going to finalize. That's where he says, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. But look what else he says. He says, if, if we do this, we're going to engage in a life of worship and thanksgiving. Worship is not just when this lady with a great voice pipes it out, and you go, oh, I feel God. Worship's when you wake up in the morning and you say, my back's hurting. <laughs> it's been a hard day. But you know what, God? I am breathing, and I'm going to give you glory and praise today because I've got another day to serve you. God, i got another day to love you, God. i got another day to love somebody in your name, God. I'm going to worship the King of kings and Lord of lords because he and him I live and move and have my being. That's worship, and it takes no band to get you there. Nothing wrong with a band to get you there. Y'all are really good. The church is going to tell you if the only time we worship is here, then we're not living in the living water. If the only time we worship is when the pastor says, let's stand and worship, we're not, we're not living living water. We, what we're doing is we're bringing religion in our life as our source of hope. Because again, religion uses God, but relationship receives from God. Big difference. 
So we get into this life of worship. We get into this life of thanksgiving. You say, well, Mike, if you knew my life, I've got nothing to be thankful for. Can I tell you this? If you know God, then you have to be thankful for the King of kings and Lord of lords knows your name. He loved you enough to send his son to die a cruel death in your place. Oh, by the way, he's gone to prepare a place for you for eternity. And oh, wow, he's away. He has sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in your life so that when life is hard, oh, by the way, Jesus promised that, that you stand not on your own strength, not on your own grid, because you're full of living water that he provides, that gift that is fulfilling in you. Maybe just start thanking God right there. Then the world starts looking a whole lot different, doesn't it? Now I begin to thank God for the weird lady three aisles over that sings off key. I, I, you know, there we are, God. Thank you. Her passion takes me to see that you love everybody, God. Or, or we thank God for the job that we used to curse. Oh, God, thank you. You embedded me in this company. Because, God, in this dark, you bring lightness. God, in this unseasoned place, you bring saltiness, God. God, thank you. I'm there. Maybe in that career that didn't go the way you wanted it to go, you just might realize God has you positioned right where he wants you to be to make a difference, to create a purpose in this life. So we've got to come to that place of worship and thanksgiving. And then finally, he says, and we do that as we submit to one another. Can I tell you a secret of learning to walk in the place where the living water is flowing? Don't walk alone. As pastors, we talk about these things. Man, what the enemy accomplished in the last few years in the Church of Jesus Christ in America is horrendous. Everybody's like, I'm fine. Leave me alone. What, get in a group? Are you kidding me? I mean, I got to sit by somebody on something? No. If you hadn't watched National Geographic lately, just go and like queue up something like a lion attacks the herd and remind you why you shouldn't be alone. Because it's always the one on the outside that gets picked off. But you know what the truth is? You cannot worship. You cannot be thankful. You cannot submit yourself to others unless you grab the second piece, and that is simply this. Stop trying to quench your spiritual thirst the way the world does. Don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And the verb there in that statement is a, is a description of this. Be being filled. In other words, you never stop. You never stop. You never stop. My morning prayer always finds this phrase in it somewhere. God, today fill me fresh with the Holy Spirit. Because yesterday was not enough, God. God, today fill me with the Holy Spirit, God, because I'm not enough, God. God, fill me with the Holy Spirit, God, because I can't do anything without you, Father. Can I tell you, church, I'm bringing you a word tonight because I know what it is to be the camel that drops with and sneezed and almost gave it up. But I have a group of people that surround me in prayer. I have people that know me, that know the signs, that came around and said, we're not letting you go there. Go back to where you began. Go back to your first love. Go back to the work of the Holy Spirit. And I saw God bring a life back in. Pastor Paul and I, we would talk about it over coffee, way too much coffee. And I'd say, Paul, I can't touch bottom. I don't know where bottom is. And your pastor prayed for me. And I called him up, texted him the day. I said, I hit bottom, and it's okay. Because I know where the water is. I know the source. And I'm going toward him. And it's going to be amazing. And it is always amazing. Because his said this, when you drink of my water, you'll learn to never thirst again. Church, are you thirsty tonight? Are you thirsty tonight? Or do you have enough? Are you thirsty enough? Are you willing to say to God, God, I'm going to reject the idols in my life. God, I'm going to open myself up and say, Father, fill me fresh with that living water. God, fill me fresh. For some of you tonight, listen, you've been wanting to be full a long time, but you can't be full until you empty yourself of everything else. You can't be full until you give up those things. See, that's what that woman had to come to. The, the, the husbands didn't do it. The, the, the one she's living with couldn't do it. But when she came to know the Messiah... Her emptiness was full. The work of the Holy Spirit changed her life forever, and we read about her now. So let me ask you this tonight. What'd you come here for? Are you wanting to use God? Fix this situation. 
God, just change that. Life will be good. God, just heal that. We'll be all right. Oh, God does those things. But better yet, did you come tonight and say, I just want to know him more. I just want to experience the fullness of his spirit. I just want to know what it is to have living waters flow through me that so that no matter what happens, I stand. So no matter what happens, I continue to bless. So no matter what happens, even if I'm not healed, even if that doesn't take place and that's not answered, he's still my God, and I still walk in the power of his Holy Spirit. That's what I've come for tonight. And I invite you to stand with me across this place right now. And I ask you to do this. Our musician sang a song earlier. And it caught me off guard. I thought, well, that's not an encounter song, but it really was because it uses the words. It says, I'm sorry. <laughs> we usually don't say that in worship, do we? I'm sorry. And what he was saying is, Lord, I, I thought that I was enough. I thought that what I was doing was enough. But God, I need you. If that's you tonight, I want you to start finding your way down here to the front. Don't, don't wait. Don't wait till your neighbor. I want you to start finding your way down here to the front tonight. And I'm just going to pray for one thing. I know we have people that will pray with you. I know that uh, this church has been praying. I know this team's going to lead us in the place of worship. But I want you to come. Let all who are thirsty, Jesus said in the Revelation, come and drink of the living waters. He, he made an open invitation, but you got to take it. you got to want it. For some tonight, you might want to step out and come and say, God, I've got to leave some things at the altar. God, I, I've been drinking from some wells I need to let go of, God, tonight. Oh, they may not be bad wells on the surface, but when you recognize that they are in the place of what God has offered you, they are a substitute, a cheap substitute that will not quench your thirst. It's time to lay them down and say, God, here they are. Now I want you, God. Fill me to overflowing. Come on, church. Begin to pray with me right now. Begin to lift your hands right now. Begin to go after God right now. Father, God, pour out your spirit tonight in a way of overflowing, God. Pour out your spirit tonight in a way, oh God, that satisfies and quenches our thirst, God. Pour out your spirit tonight, oh God, on your sons and daughters, oh God. Lord, I pray tonight, God, for those that are thirsty, let them come. For those that are hungry, let them come, God. For those who are tired of doing things the world's way and going after what the world's promised and coming up empty again, let them come to the fount of living water that never runs dry. Oh, God, I praise you. I thank you tonight, God. God, I thank you for those that, God, tonight are lost but now are found, oh God. We're blind but now they see, God. Lord, that we're, Lord, far from you that now come near, Father, and experience your goodness and experience your mercy and experience your grace, oh God. Father, I thank you for the gift. I thank you for the gift of grace. There's no one, God, that hears my voice now that is not able to receive what you want for them, God. There's no one too far gone. There's no one that didn't come from the right place, God. You don't put any of that on us, God. You said to all who are thirsty, come. To all who are thirsty, come. Oh, we praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Come. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Open your hearts to him right now. And drink deeply of what he has for you tonight. Drink deeply of what he has for you tonight. He is our all in all. He's our everything. Oh, we need you, Lord. Come. Come. Oh, we need you, Lord. Oh, we thirsty, God. Lord, we need your water, Lord, tonight. Lord, won't you come and satisfy, God, where we've been dissatisfied, God. Lord, let us lay down the things that don't give life, God. 
Lord, let us pick up your promise, God, your word, your life, your relationship, Lord. Lord, we need you, Lord. Oh, won't you come in us, God, with fountains of living water, Lord, welling up inside of us, oh God. Praise your name, Jesus. Praise your name. Oh, we worship you. We glory in you, God. Lord, we are thankful, Father. Lord, we are thankful, Father. Lord, you're good. You are good, God. Lord, you're good, God. Lord, your promises are yes through Jesus. Lord, they're amen in this moment, God. Lord, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. God, we give you glory. God, we give you praise. Lord, let us experience all that you have for us tonight, God. Let us be overflowed by your Holy Spirit, God. Lord, let our, our inner being, Lord, be dry no more, oh God. But let us fill it up, God. Let us overflow, God. Lord, we're not looking for just an experience. We're looking for a life, oh God. Let streams of living water flow in us, oh God. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we praise you, God. We praise you, Lord. 